Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Out of the Blue from Maze and Brew, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network, a podcast that consumes rivalry wins with more gusto than James Gandolfini and an unlimited pasta bar. I am Jared Stormer of MazeandBrew.com. With me, as always, is Andy Bailey, my hetero life mate, also of MazeandBrew.com. Andy, you handsome cuss of the South. How you doing, brother? Like Brett Bielema back at Golden Corral. We are back. Back for more. Like Sullivan, baby. <laughs> we intended to take a week off, anticipating some things here and forecasting, you know, off air and in our docks, but we got we got a lot to talk about here about what happened last night where Michigan basketball is trending and, you know, borderline, you know, hockey scare this past weekend. Yes, so we're going to touch on uh, definitely some basketball, a little bit of hockey, and some NFL draft combine in this one. And yeah, like you said, uh, you know, we were expecting some downtime, but Michigan sports has proved us otherwise, and I'm I'm completely all right with that. I'm always happy to log on and talk some sports. Yeah, the thing is, it's like, oh, damn, I got to talk to Jared about sports again? Oh, all right, I guess I'll do it. Don't <laughs> twist my arm. Don't. Sorry, honey. It's going to have to be a couple Budweisers in a sports discussion tonight. I uh, it's a it's a real arm of a, t- a real twist of the arm, but I got to do it. <laughs> this is like telling your wife, like I got to go bowling with the fellas. Like you can't take this away from me. I don't want to go play poker over at Trent and Gary's house. I have to. And <laughs> you, you just tell Daniel and Kelly we'll hang out and celebrate. You know whatever anniversary they're having on. I have to talk about Thomas Bordalo and Michigan hockey again. Like, don't you understand my priorities? Don't you get it? <laughs> Do you see what Hunter Dickinson did last night? You see how pissed Tom Izzo was? Handshake uh, line, that. Oh, my God. The little gremlin was so upset. I thought he was going to have an aneurysm. Can't wait to get to that one. Uh, let's start with Michigan basketball, though. And since we last spoke, there's been two games, the loss to Illinois. If there's such a thing as a noble loss, and I know Michigan State believes so, as with the uh, the covers of the Lansing Daily or whatever the name <laughs> of their trash paper is called. I know they believe in uh, being defeated with dignity. I guess you could say that about the loss to Illinois. Uh, Michigan was just outplayed in that one. Hunter Dickinson, I'm pretty sure, showed up hungover. But, uh, you know, it was a, it was a well-fought game. You got nothing out of Dickinson and still kept that one close. And that did not really hurt us. Like we said, we could drop two. We dropped the Wisconsin one, dropped that one to Illinois. That didn't kill our chances. But what were your takeaways from the Illinois game? 
I don't believe in noble losses, but I do believe in momentum. And I think the second half of this game, Michigan did a good job of like fighting, clawing back, getting it within two, where there is no reason they should be. Illinois was shooting the lights out at one point. They were shooting 80% in the second half, making all these threes, just going nuts. And then Michigan fought, clawed their way back. Dickinson looked terrible. And I think that fight and that drive really carried over into the Michigan State game the next day, or two days, a few days later. I think so as well. Uh, I You can't convince me Hunter Dickinson wasn't hung over in that game. He showed up wearing the big white t-shirt like he was a fat kid about to enter the shallow end at the recreational pool. And just looking at him next to Coburn, Cockburn, excuse me, uh, you're just like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's why Hunter Dickinson isn't an NBA center because Coburn is massive, dude. And uh, and Dickinson is like, you, you could never say he's chiseled. Uh, I, I think that he's a man that... Uh, maybe spends a little bit more time at the dessert section of the country buffet than, than he should. It's not like he's overweight. It's just like, he's not chiseled or anything. Um, and you know, I'm going to eat my words here when we get to the Michigan state game, but he can't really hang with the Coburns of the world. And then Alfonso Plummer in that game went nuclear. I've never seen anything like that from a, from a guy that's pretty unheralded. I mean, he's like a fifth year dude, Alfonso Plummer and looked like Johnny Davis out there. So Illinois was super hot in that game. The crowd really not, that into it. I was a little disappointed about that. That was one thing I would have liked to seen uh, out of the Chrysler Center in that Illinois game, but much better against Michigan State. Alfonso Plummer's name's like a movie that starts off really great, like Cowboys and Aliens, like the first hour is just a banger, and then Olivia Wilde's coming out of the fire, and then it just goes off a cliff with his last name's Plummer. That's what it reminds me of. Just Alfonso is such a strong start to a name. It's like, yeah, Plummer. It's like, are you kidding me? Like, it could have been something else. I love that that's how you break this down. It's like, Alfonso, yes, yes, yes. Where are we going with this? Plumber. Oh, well, that's a letdown. That's just that's just middling to me. But you're 100% right. Dickinson looked bad, and it kind of echoes to Phil Martelli's sentiments after the Michigan State game where he said Dickinson had this weird look in his eyes like the past couple days, and he finally shook it off this week. It's like, yeah, Phil, it's called regret. He drank too many natty lights at the bar. That's what it was. So it was good to see him do that and really come out in the Michigan State game, and we'll get to it. But against Cockburn, man, just get his lunch eaten. Like here and there, he he did out-rebound him, which I was impressed by. But uh, offensively and defensively, he's always been a kryptonite for him because remember last season, Cockburn did the same thing. But Dickinson could always get the best of people like Luca Garza. So I don't know if it's a mental thing, a physicality thing, but he always struggles with him. And like you said, man, Plummer went nuclear. Nothing you can really do with that. Like the kid, it was just his night. Yeah, it's definitely a physicality thing if I had to, to pinpoint it, because Luca Garza is also not some sort of athletic specimen. I mean, he, he runs up and down the floor like a hippopotamus that's been shot with a sedative dart. So like, that's, that's not necessarily Luca Garza's strength either. Um, but against guys that are athletic, stronger than him, and play really strong interior uh, defense down there, uh, he's had some issues. Like Zach Eady against Purdue isn't an elite athlete isn't an elite shot blocker. So you saw him perform well against that. But like, I worry about how he would go up against like a Jabari Smith or even like a Chet Holmgren or some of the other like really good shot blockers that are out there. Um, that we I, I think he would eat a little bit against Chet because I think yeah, his yeah. game is just like really the antithesis of what Chet deals with because Hunter can be physical and I, just with his experience and some of the moves we saw against Michigan State, which we'll get to, I think, I think he could give him some business there. I actually like that take. As soon as I said that, I was like, actually, I don't know if, if Chet would really like that matchup. I mean, he blocks a lot of shots, but he's not big. And Hunter Dickinson can still back you down. And uh, yeah, let's uh, if you do you have any more thoughts on the Illinois game and then we can move to, to the Michigan State game. Now, let's just get to the Michigan State game. And that's where the that's where the magic started to happen this week and why we're potting today. Indeed. So, yeah, let's uh, let's butter our bread. It was uh, 87 to 70 victory over Michigan State uh, tight early on. And then uh, actually it was about four minutes into this game. We go on a uh, we start to go on a run ends up being a 14 0 run. Never look back, never trail. They were able to get close in the second half. But Michigan really controlled this and uh, the defense was solid. But the offense in this game was patient, measured, dominant at times. Um, I saw some stuff from Hunter Dickinson that late into his sophomore season, I did not know he had in his bag. So that was super encouraging. Uh, what were your initial thoughts in this game? Obviously, we're going to talk at length about Hunter Dickinson's 33-9-1 career night for him. But uh, what else stood out to you in this game? 
So the first half, to me, it was it was the Frankie Collins game at first. Devontae Jones got into foul trouble early out before the first three minutes with two. And Frankie Collins comes in and gives some really good creator minutes. Like, it's not going to show up in the stat sheet, but he passed the eye test with flying colors. Just creating scrappy on both ends of the court, covering up mistakes. He has a, a very deceptive understanding of defensive rotations because he would float in the back in the back sometimes in man to man and come over and help out, but always be back to his man before he was wide open. So that progression from him, just seeing his basketball IQ develop this season, has been very welcome. So for me, the first half was the Frankie Collins game. Yeah, it's interesting that you say it was the uh, Frankie Collins game because his stat line is zero points, three rebounds, four assists and two steals, though. Uh, his defense was really, really uh, it was grimy almost. Yeah. I mean, he, he has this athleticism and he uses it well on the defensive end in particular. But I like the fact that he keeps the ball on the string. He can get into the paint. He's intelligent for a young kid. You know, I don't think he makes a, a ton of careless turnovers. And uh, his athleticism just gives you something else, especially like in the pick and roll with Dickinson. That looked pretty good. I mean, he was running the pick and roll, did a screen and roll with Dickinson. That looked really good and smarter than his age, you know, like yeah. more advanced than his age would, would suggest. I know you've been a fan of him. Since early on, uh, I'm I'm definitely coming around on Frankie Collins as the guard of the future. Well, I like the fact that over the last couple games, we've seen Kobe Bufkin flash. We've seen Frankie Collins flash. Terrence Williams' shot is really falling now, as you saw in this game. So you're getting these contributions from the six, seven, and eight guys on the bench. And that's how Michigan's going to make a push in the postseason, is with their depth and with guys like this contributing, because they don't just have the pure scores that can just consistently fill it up outside of this one game from Dickinson. Yes, I, I totally agree. I think uh, during the Illinois game, I texted you when they were just lighting it up. And I was like, we don't have the horses for this type of race in the sense that we don't have the depth of scoring that a lot of teams do. Uh, but Terrence Williams is a guy I wish he would have gotten some more minutes against Illinois. Didn't come in until late in that game. And uh, that was kind of my one criticism of Martelli, who's been excellent so far in the absence of Juwan Howard. Uh, but he played a much bigger role in this one, went three for four from deep, nine points, all of them coming from behind the arc against Michigan State. He's confident. His defense still has a way to go for that length and athleticism. I would like to see his defense improve, and then he's going to be like a, a big minutes type of guy for us. But yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree with you in the sense that uh, when our bench is clicking and, and Dickinson really still is the engine that drives us because you need him to have a big night and then have other guys be complimentary. But when you do that, it does seem like, oh man, all of a sudden, yeah, I kind of like our depth where we've been critical of it in the past. Now, you and I have been very critical of Hunter Dickinson. If he leans into this villain and plays with the energy that it was the biggest thing for me, I was talking to my girlfriend about it. Like, we haven't seen that energy all season where it was just consistent, just the trash talk to Izzo, the way he was playing on both ends of the court, really inspired. And if we see that from him and he's going to just lean into being the bad guy all the time, give me all the Hunter Dickinson stock I stole. I, I, I mean, that was just very impressive. Combine that with the footwork and the skill, the touch around the rim, the reverse dunk. Are you kidding Oof. me? So nice. if we're going to get that Hunter Dickinson, then that is a player good enough to lead a deep tournament run. That Hunter Dickinson came out of nowhere because uh, you and I have been critical. Uh, and right after we released the podcast saying it's time to embrace the villainy, um, he comes out and he just has his biggest villain villain game that he's ever had. 33-9-1, and one, as we mentioned, he was 13 of 19 from the field. Only took one three-pointer in this one. He was 0-for-1, 7-of-9 from the free-throw line. Uh, stayed out of foul trouble four blocks in this game, which I believe is as high on the season in a single game. It was his best game in a Michigan uniform coming off of maybe one of his worst games in a Michigan uniform. And I definitely want to talk about that, like that spinning move that he did where he put his back to the basket. I don't know who the, the bucket was on. I forget who it was on. Marvel, maybe, I think. Yeah. Yeah, perhaps, but he he fakes to the inside shoulder, turns inside, slams it down. That was elite footwork, and I have not seen that. That's guard footwork. We haven't seen that from Hunter Dickinson. So, yes, we have been critical of him up to this point, but where was that this entire time? That was awesome, and yeah, it's it's something we just haven't seen. There were two instances, that one on the reverse dunk, and then the I, think, I believe the other one you're referring to, it's like he leans back to where he's like setting up like he doesn't see the double team coming, and then like fakes one, and it comes right around. I was mind blown at how fast he did that. I was like, 
oh, okay, now he's really getting this. Instead of just passing out, he's using his mind and being deceptive with movements. And I don't know where this came from, but this goes back to everything we were like discussing about how I was trying to defend him in our Remove the Goggle segment about his three-point shooting. You're like, if if that's the first thing you say about our big our 7-1 center, that's the issue. And we saw it in this game, the complete opposite. Like he was doing all his grimy work in the post, didn't fall in love with the three shot, took one to keep it respectable, but was just like going to work inside and out, man. I was blown away by Hunter Dickinson in this game. And like I said, if we're going to get just this kind of effort and energy from him, we can make a push. Yes. I, I mean, I don't, I still don't think it's going to be a deep push. I don't really think like elite eight is necessarily on the table for us, but if he plays like that every game um, and Caleb Houston, who I want to get to next is making shots, it's a much more dangerous team, just things that were not happening earlier on in the season. And if he plays with that energy, that intensity night in and night out the rest of the way, yes, I will absolutely walk back some of my comments that you won't win. You won't win big. I, I still don't think you're going to win like, at the highest level, but you're going to, you're going to be really dangerous. And if you make it in as an 11 seed, nobody wants to see that. That's your 11 seed matchup. That's, that's nightmarish. Exactly. And what's one of the things that preceded his dominance in this game was the three point shot. It was Caleb Houston and everybody just being respectable from range. So the spacing could really work for him and just one on one Hunter Dickinson's a problem for most people in the NCAA. That's just a fact. He's that talented and he showed it in this game. So we're just clipping away at like, 35 percent from three like this Michigan team is very scary and with like you know second week into the tournament like getting to the sweet 16 would be a huge win from where we thought they were a massive win and with the right draw if you get the elite eight that's house money oh I mean yeah I, I would say sweet 16 would be house money I mean even getting a win compared to where we're at a couple of weeks goes gonna be like wow great turnaround guys um you know you really made something out of this season Caleb Houston who we have been incredibly critical of, you know, I've flat out saying he didn't look like an NBA draft prospect prospect. Uh, he's nine and 15 from three since Juwan Howard went out at 60% over the last three games, up to 37.5% three point shooting on the season. He's shooting 41% total in field goals. So his three point percentage has almost matched his field goal percentage. A lot of his shots are coming from deep. Four from se four of seven against Michigan State. Um, the the form is perfect. The form, I, I literally the mechanics. I do not have any notes. No notes on the uh, on the the Caleb Houston shot. Defense still has a ways to go. Uh, not much of a creator at all. Zero assists in this game. Four rebounds. So he's not bringing a ton else to the table. But we don't necessarily need him to. If he's making threes at a high clip and he's given us 12, 15, maybe 20 points some nights um, as your second score. And there's going to be Devonte Jones nights. There's going to be Terrence Williams nights. There's going to be Diabate nights. So that that works as a second option or a, a two and a half, you know, option you know, B or C potentially on some nights. What really has blown me away with him and I've loved to see is one, the progression of the whole team. Everyone has gotten better from game one. Everybody on this entire roster that's playing minutes has gotten better. But with Caleb Houston, especially, he's just playing confident and freer. Like he doesn't look scared to take the shot before. He just looked really comfortable only when he'd attack the rim. But now he's shooting the ball like he's attacking the rim. It feels more like a layup for him. How much confidence he's built over the last week or so. You want to talk about getting a layup? Got to talk about uh, going to home field apparel right now and getting yourself. Nice. Some, that's how you transition, <laughs> baby. That's how you do it. Yeah. So go on over to home field apparel. Take a look at their selection. It's a layup in the sense that you're going to find something that you like. You're going to find a good gift for someone in your family. Hopefully you have someone in your family that's a sports fan. If not, I feel bad for you. Got to have someone that you can hook up with some home field apparel gear. The Michigan selections got both the old and the new. And they're a licensed apparel company that's got you covered with a wide range of designs. And you can get 20% off your first purchase when you go to homefieldapparel.com and use MNB at checkout. So highly recommend that you do that. Um, yeah, absolutely, man. That uh, that the, the improvement that you just that you just mentioned there of the entire team. Uh, we were critical of the guard position and Devontae Jones and Frankie Collins ever since Joan Howard went out. Uh, really, really have shown me something. Devontae Jones playing like Eric Gordon out there. He's smart. He's the best man-to-man uh, -man defender on the team. 
Collins might be right behind him. Um, Agreed. Yeah, I mean, it's just high energy guys. Devontae Jones has some moves there in the paint. He uses his body well, his strength to actually, especially against smaller guards, he can get into the paint. And uh, seven of seven free throws for both him and Houston against Illinois, granted in a loss, but shows me that they're getting to the line. They're making their free throw attempts. The the improvement at the line is definitely noteworthy. Uh, I wanted to ask you, you know, obviously the, the Juwan Howard suspension, not a good thing. Uh, in, in total for the program, but could it maybe have been a good thing for the players and this basketball team to get Martelli in there and just get some different looks and and maybe take a step back and look at how this team and everyone's role, you know, were being executed this year? I think so, and I want to take that even a step further because we mentioned it uh, when it happened. That this could be a rallying cry, and it has. It really motivated them. They came out with a Fab Five tribute of the black shoes and black socks for them. So I think that helped inspire the team that their coach is going to go to war for them. And also, you're right. It gave them a chance to look in the mirror and evaluate some things through a different lens. Let Martelli feel empowered. and He's done just a marvelous job just empowering his assistants as well. Uh, Sidney Washington. I can't, I can't think of the other guy's name right now, but they've just, they've been empowered and really risen to the occasion. And it's great for Martelli because he can give some guys, maybe things he's seen. Like he kept Frankie Collins in the whole first half and let DJ sit. I don't think Jawan does that knowing how he likes his starters. So that was great minutes for him. He's getting these guys experience and confidence. And Juwan's smart enough to see all of this. So when he can come back in refreshed, refocused, and have seen it from a different perspective, because sometimes you're just a little too close to the product. So now that he's been a step removed and can see this, I think it's only going to be good things for the team. I, I agree with you, man. And that's what we were saying is like, this could catalyze the team. And I think in some ways it has um, just taking a step back, looking at your personnel. I kind of thought we'd get some more Jace Howard minutes, but Brandon Johns has played better. In the, much better yeah much better yeah especially against michigan state his minutes were not a total disaster and in fact he was a plus out there on the floor uh, although everybody really was a plus everybody <laughs> that touched the ball and saw the court for michigan had a had a game that night um he's too good uh that is uh martelli to be an assistant coach so we are super fortunate to have him there you know kind of left uh st joe's on you know it was a strange situation that even led to him being at michigan very fortunate to have a guy like that, especially if Jawan's going to be slapping a guy once every two years and missing some games. So you need to have you need to have some quality assistant coaches on the bench. And uh, Phil Martelli is that and more. So what do you expect from this team going into Iowa? So this comes out uh, this will come out tomorrow morning. So we have Iowa that evening. So short turnaround, uh, long week for the team with the Iowa rematch. And we all remember what happened when we played in. Is it they play in Des Moines? Is that where Iowa is? Is that Iowa? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't, I think it's in, uh, Iowa city. No, no, no. That's Iowa state. So it's in Des Moines. Oh, oh, yeah. Or yeah. It's in Iowa somewhere. It's cornfields. It's all, it's and, all like, the same thing. Every town is the same. Yeah. Like it's all the same. So <laughs> we all remember what happened there And Bohannon had that three where he thought he was fouled. He just chucked it into the third row. So obviously they, they've been playing much better since. So what, what do you think is going to happen in this game tonight? Uh, I really think that Michigan might have some answers for Iowa. I really like Keegan Murray uh, of that team, but now you've got Caleb Houston playing at a really strong level. Those two might be able to cancel each other out on offense. Now, Murray brings more defensively, and uh, having a wing that can guard multiple positions is super valuable, both in college and professional level. But I like Michigan in this Iowa matchup. I, I really do. I think that we're going to split here in these last two games or win two, two outright. I don't see us losing both. I don't see any scenario where they're both uncompetitive either. I think Michigan is playing some of the best basketball that it's played all year. And I think we're going to find a way to get it done. The Iowa test, I think, is going to be if you get Iowa, I really feel great about Ohio State to end the year. I really do. Ohio State just dropped one last night. Uh, we owe them one for sure. EJ Liddell played his ass off in the last game. I don't think he's that good of a player that he can do that night in and night out and uh hopefully dickinson found something here with that game in the last one and i mean he'll be the biggest most dominant guy in the next two games that we have here if he asserts his dominance which i think that he will i like i like us in these last two games i really do i'm gonna i'm gonna go ahead and go with it two and oh to finish the season I love that. And the fact that with these two games and the at least one conference game, honestly, if we win one of these three, I feel good about us making the tournament. Like, jumped up to 28th in Ken Palm. 
excuse me, following the Michigan State victory. So that, that I mean, we'd be skating in like it would be close. But if we win these two games, we're coming in really hot into the Big Ten tournament, especially if Dickinson's going to play this way. And this is what you want from your team. You want them playing their best basketball this time of the year. So this team is very capable. And if we beat Iowa at home in like a dominating fashion, I believe it's senior night too, wouldn't it? Because I think Ohio State's in Columbus. Oh, yeah, Ohio State, uh, yeah, that's on the road. So that won't be easy either, no doubt. But yeah, senior night, uh, Chrysler Center was great against Michigan State. Going to need that against Iowa. This is the last one, last home game of the regular season. Need people to come out in force for that one and be that extra guy on the court. That'll be huge. So it's like we get that one. Eli Brooks is gone. His his farewell to everybody. But man, that momentum can really carry. I I do like our matchup against Iowa like better, even though we got him the first time in that uh, tricky game on the road, which is a huge win for the team. I think I like our chances better against them because man, Liddell can be such a handful, and especially in mm-hmm. Columbus, which could be his last game. It, it worries me a little bit, but it's yeah. not out of reason that they take both of these games the way they played against State. Right. I like the Iowa matchup a little bit more than the Ohio State one because of what you're just saying. The last Liddell game on the road, Ohio State needs a win, too. I mean, all these teams are kind of jockeying for position at this point, both in the tournament of the Big Ten tournament and the NCAA tournament at large. So uh, a lot on the line for every team playing in these last couple games. But the the bottom line is Michigan's playing its best basketball right now. And uh, I think they're motivated. I think they found something with uh, not with the lineups, but just with uh, with Hunter Dickinson, how they're using him and uh, Frankie Collins being just a, a spark plug off the bench. Houston's confidence is absolutely soaring right now. And that's huge, too, because prettiest jump shot maybe in all of college basketball. Yeah, and we have eight guys I feel really comfortable with and. Eight and a half, you include Brandon, or nine, if you include half of Brandon Johnson, half of Jace Howard. Like, I'm fine with with half of those humans. It's like yeah. half of each of those, and it's like so. This is all you can really ask for from this team is to get better all season to really figure some things out. And that performance in Michigan State was inspired, and that's just what we needed to see this week, especially coming after the Illinois loss. 100% brother. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we got a little bit of hockey corner. Uh, things are winding down in that season. We are about to gear up for the Big Ten tournament there, as well as the uh, final tournament in hockey. And then we're going to talk a little football, uh, the NBA or the NFL draft, not too far down the road. And want to talk about some of the Michigan prospects and where we think they might end up. Talk about that more when we get back. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to Out of the Blue. Second half of this thing, we're shifting sports. Uh, Got to let you cook for a minute, my man. I want to uh, get caught up on hockey. One and one split since we last recorded against Notre Dame. Uh, the first game back with uh, with all the Olympiad Olympiads. A little bit dicey, but then they were able to rebound and get a win. No, we Where lost that- them both. We lost them both. Oh, we lost that second one. Was it two to one? Two one. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I apologize. I apologize. Um, that sh- I was not really dialed into the second one. I watched the first one. Uh, tell me what you saw in those games. Where does that leave us right now? All right. So game one, it's it was very strange. So the first period's kind of back and forth, a one-one affair. They put one in late. Michigan's out shooting them, I believe, ten to four. And then during the intermission, they review a penalty that happened in the first period. And then they declare during the intermission that Michigan's going to start off facing a five-minute major. So it's like, oh, so we're going to play man down for five minutes with no relief. Oh, great. And then Portillo misplays a puck behind the net. Notre Dame capitalized, goes up 2-1. And then 
all hell basically just breaks loose. Like they're out shooting us at that point with shots on net. They put another one in later and they tap in an empty netter and they win the game four one. And that game was Portillo's worst game of the season in net for Michigan. Gave up a lot of big rebounds, misplaying the puck. He finished strong, but those first two periods were rough. The Olympians were playing fourth line minutes, could really struggle with chemistry and spacing. Luke Hughes was non impactful in this one, kind of played like a freshman, more what you'd expect. But it was promising in the second game. So a very tight affair, 1-1 battle here. Michigan ties it up late. Uh, finally, Maddie Beneers just blasts one, which was great to see. They're playing first-line minutes in this one, getting their chemistry back. But Portillo gives up another big rebound late in the game. Notre Dame like, pounds it in the net, and they win 2-1. They sweep the season series against Michigan. The only Big Ten team that Michigan was unable to defeat this season was Notre Dame. All of that said, it's kind of, some teams just have it out for you. It's kind of like your kryptonite. So kind of think about the Buccaneers two years ago. They won the Super Bowl. They just couldn't beat the Saints. They struggled all season playing the Saints, and they finally got them in the playoffs and overcame that bear. So now Michigan is a two seed heading into the Big Ten tournament this weekend with a potential best of three series against Michigan State. And if they win that series, like they should, because Sparty hasn't beaten us, you know, in like five years. Uh, we play Notre Dame in a rematch, and there's your chance to really tackle that bear and get all the momentum. The sky is not falling. It's going to take some time, but it's good. It'll be okay. Yeah, I watched that first game, and uh, the, the the goaltending, the goalkeeping in that first game, like you said, just way too many, way too many rebounds, uh, especially in those first couple periods. Did not watch the second game. Um, sounded like, yeah, the, the, the Olympiads starting to get back into form. I totally agree with you about Michigan State. We should see Notre Dame again here. And that would then also be a three-game series, correct? I think it's one. I think it's single elimination in the second round. I'm not. Don't quote me on that. We're new hockey fans this season. This is new. This is new for <laughs> us. Yeah, yeah. I'm like googling stuff as I'm watching the games. Like, wait a minute, how does this tournament work? So, figuring yeah. it out as I go. Exactly, but like they're they're coming into form, and it was going to take some time for him to get back into it. And that was kind of the good thing about the Olympics is that these guys are able to come back in for this last regular season series before the postseason play begins. But no matter what, they're going to get into the NCAA tournament. The sixteen teams getting in, they're going to get they're going to get back to it. It's just you got to shake off some rust. And coming back against Notre Notre Dame, a team that swept us early in the year when we were full strength, like it's just a terrible matchup, terrible timing, like. But don't panic. Like, don't panic yet. I'm not panicked, and uh, I don't know enough about hockey in general, let alone this hockey team. But is it possible that Michigan has too much talent on this team? That's a ridiculous statement, so let me clarify. Do they have too many names? You've got guys in the Olympics. You've got four guys that are, like, already signed to NHL teams. And Notre Dame does not have anything close to that, but they play extremely well as a team. Their goalkeeper is also insane. That dude, what's do you know his name off the top of your head? That Notre Dame goalkeeper? He's not really off the top good. of my head, but they're one of the best defensive teams in yeah. hockey. Their blue line and goalie are both elite. Really, really good. Um, so I'm wondering if maybe it is like a lot of individual, like almost an all-star team that we've assembled here uh, for Michigan hockey. Look, I'm spitballing. This is <laughs> I don't know enough. I don't know enough for this to be a real take. I don't think it's quite there because the four Olympians all play at the same time for the most part. Owen Power starting blue liner, and then you have the three guys up front and Johnson, Beneers, and Brisson. It's it could come into factor a little bit maybe with Luke Hughes, Thomas Bordalo, some of the second and third liners that kind of became stars really in their absence. They might be a little irritated with the minutes coming down a little bit. But like Jimmy Lambert, I believe, was a scratch in the second game, so or first game, one of the other. So that could factor in, but not to the point of an all-star team. There's still too much brotherhood, too much things going on, you know, behind the scenes. But if there's an impact, like put a percentage on it, like Bill Simmons, like 10% chance. Yeah, uh, I kind of feel like uh, an outsider when I talk about hockey. I'm like, yes, and uh, the game appeared to be played on ice uh, in this particular contest, which was fascinating. Bro, if you talk to hockey nerds, they would eat me alive. Like, we talking? I can't cover the point. He should have been pick six, not three, or just just things like that. It's a little crazy, but like you know, coming into it, you know, knowing a little bit about a little bit, it's a lot of fun. It's a good place to start. Yeah, yeah. it's been fun to watch, uh, except that I tuned in like for the Notre Dame losses. That was really like where I started to get my fill. But there's better times ahead. I do agree, um, especially, you know, check them out against Michigan State this week. If you want to watch more uh, thrashing of a rival, which I'm sorry, I just eat that for breakfast. I literally this morning woke up and my breakfast was a Stella, a cigarette and a defeat of, of Tom Izzo. 
a delightful morning. What a breakfast. Tom Izzo tears pair better than white wine. Like it's just a, a great pairing. I will say this. If our hockey team loses to Michigan state, like in Ooh. the first game, yeah, I'm going to be concerned, very yeah. concerned. Cause we've swept them so far this season. Like this should not happen. We beat them in. you'll love this. We played them in the duel in the D and the trophy presented to the winner is called the iron D. <laughs> I mean, I have, there's there's definitely a joke bubbling to the surface here, but I'm afraid to put it on air, but I just want to know what the trophy looks like. (laughs) Yeah. The Iron D. That's a penis. (laughs) That's like attracted to the phallic nature of our trophies. (laughs) Yeah. The Iron D isn't well thought out, but it also sounds pretty hard. Some pun intended. (laughs) It is, uh, you know, it takes a lot to get there, you know, a lot to overcome, battle to win. Yeah, I'm with you, man. All right, let's shift to something that we actually know something about. NFL draft coming up. Uh, It is March now, so that'll be next month. The mock drafts, every year the mock drafts get more and more insane. Like, I'm pretty sure CBS does a new one every day. And uh, I've kind of gotten over the the overconsumption of drafts. But that being said, I've read through a ton of these have a pretty good idea pre-combine what people think about our Michigan guys. So I want to go through, talk where you think they're going to go, best fit, and you can go best fit as far as a team or best fit as far as like a scheme, best fit as far as a coach that might help them, however you want to go with this. Let's do it, man. All right, so the first pick, this is clear as day. The first Michigan guy off the board is going to be Aiden Hutchinson. Um, I think his best fit is with the Detroit Lions. I want him to go to the Detroit Lions. I'm a Lions fan that really hasn't been able to stomach watching them recently. So not only do I want him to go there because it's a position of need, he can help them, but that's going to be a culture fit, and it's going to make them watchable again. So this one to me is a bit of a slam dunk. Do you have any counterpoints about maybe maybe he's better in Jacksonville? Because he's not really getting past three I don't think he'll fall past three right I he no he won't fall past three and I think if Jacksonville's smart you protect the franchise which is Trevor Lawrence so I think you go tackle whether you go the NC State kid or Evan Neal the Detroit Lions makes too much sense for Hutch man just he and Dan Campbell are cut from the same cloth they're just like I don't mean this insulting, but like I mean this in the most endearing way possible. Just dumb meathead football players. Like all they love is football, chewing glass, and they're they're just it's a match made in heaven. What he'll do for the culture, it would really revive some life into Detroit, which we haven't felt since maybe the Calvin Johnson draft. Like Yeah. It's been a while, and uh, I know what you mean, because in no way is Aiden Hutchinson dumb. No. I'm pretty sure he's studying to be like an orthopedic surgeon or something. Like, Yeah. Yeah, yeah he's an extremely, extremely intelligent young man. But I get what you're saying. He's a football guy, I yes. think is probably the better way to say it. Same as Campbell, just a football guy. Campbell would love him. They would get along. They kind of like Campbell looks like he might be Aiden Hutchinson 20 years down the road. Honestly, like they kind of look alike. It would bring a uh, an identity to the defense that doesn't really have one right now. Uh, I, you're right. It makes too much sense. Too much sense. All right. Who do we go to next? Uh, all right. Next guy off the board. I still think this one's pretty easy. I think Ojabo is going to be second guy off the board. Looking at the mocks, I've seen him as uh, early as eight and as late as 23. Chances are he falls somewhere in between there. What do you think about this guy's draft stock? Higher or lower than Uche coming out? For me, it's it's I like Josh Uche more than Ojabo. Just I don't know, maybe it was a personality thing, but also it's a lot different scheme run at Michigan at the time. Ojabo has that ceiling where it's like you can't really quantify it because he's only in his fifth year of football and he's gonna test off the charts in these coming days at the combine. You just know that's inevitable. But I would love to see Uche go some not Uche, God. I would love <laughs> to see Ojabo go somewhere right in the middle there. So Philly has back to back picks at fifteen and sixteen. And if you could put him there, let him learn from Brandon Graham or somebody like that on a awesome. rising team, just it's it feels almost too perfect. Awesome. You you literally read my mind. I'm gonna throw out some other ideas just because we need some uh <laughs> some variety on this podcast. But I was looking at a team like the Eagles with three picks, a team that needs to improve upon their defense their defense, especially at the defensive end position. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I've got them higher than Uche. Um, I've also got him higher than Quiddy Pay as far as what I think he could be. Now he has more work to do than Uche did coming right out. I think Uche was more ready to come in and contribute immediately. Ojabo's still got to learn some different moves. Um, he can mostly beat you with speed at this point. He's got a he's got a swim move that's pretty solid. 
but he's improved every year and he's only been playing football for what, like six years, something like that. Five years, five years. Yeah, he's been playing football for five years and he's gotten better every single year. So that's a projection that you could feel pretty good about. So I actually think I have him higher personally than either Uche or Pay as far as ceiling. Uh, what will he get to? Who knows with this? Uh, the first team I could see taking a swing on him might be the Jets at 10. Um, it's something like that. You know, the Jets have multiple yeah. picks in this one as well. Uh, they need to protect their franchise quarterback with uh, in Zach Wilson. So they'll they'll need to get some offensive linemen in there. They could use a receiver. Um, but I could see that being maybe the first place he would go. I've seen him going to uh, Atlanta at eight. I don't I don't think I like that. I don't think I see that he shouldn't be put with that kind of pressure either he needs to come in and be the number one defensive end option right away that's not really great for David Ojabo he needs a year he needs a year or two and I mean Quiddy Pay outperformed what you and I thought he would do this year you and I weren't super high on Quiddy Pay um, and I'm higher on him but I think he needs a year so uh, I love I love that Eagles pick uh, another one maybe further down um, uh, on on the list might be uh, the Vikings at 12 could make some sense um, how Steelers about- at 20 Steelers at 20. How about pairing him next to Miles Garrett in Cleveland? Yeah, yeah. there are some options because I think his the biggest question you and I have really with him is the motor because he came off the field a lot more. If you on rewatch is like Jalen Harrell played a lot of snaps. So if like he needs to become an every down pass rusher. So if he could come in next to Miles Garrett or TJ Watt and be more situational as he gets his bearings about him, I think that's really ideal. Yeah. And uh, let me clarify, like I wasn't as high on pay as like a pass rusher, but pays an every down guy. He can still do some stuff against the run. He's bigger. Uh, Ojabo is closer to Uche and that he's maybe a specialist. So are you going to use a top 10 pick on a guy that's only on the field, say 12, 15 snaps a game? That's it's not great value if you're taking him in the top 10. So I would take him. I'd feel comfortable taking him, taking him in the early to, to mid teens. Um, but if he falls to the 20s, I think you you snatch him up for sure. Yeah, I think the cap on him has to be 20. Like, I, I can't see him dropping past the Steelers. They're like, if he does, the Patriots get him. They love drafting Michigan guys and put him with Matt Judon. But if, if uh, David Ojabo drops below 20, I would be shocked. I have to agree with you just because, like you said, and this is a lock lock. This dude's going to be insane at the combine. Lock that in. Yeah. Facts. Yeah. Uh, all right. Third guy off the board. This one also probably uh, a no, maybe maybe not a no brainer, but we're, we're getting uh, we're still in the uh, the very likely to happen uh, area here. And that's Dax Hill being the third guy off the board. Seen him in some first round mocks. He's not falling past the second round. I can tell you that. Um, there is no no mock draft that doesn't have him in either the first or the second um, football guys see this dude and they look past the stats, which you need to do with him after last year. His stats do not really jump off the page, but we watched every single snap and we know what this guy did for a defense. Sounds like NFL analysts see that as well. What's his best fit? What's your best guess on his draft position? I, if I had to guess, I think he's going to fall really late into the first round. The uh, Bengals sitting there at 31 seem tempting. I couldn't see him going any higher than 24 to Dallas, and I think that's a reach, but he could fit in nicely in the back end. They need some Ooh. safety help. Do have uh, Trayvon uh, Diggs at corner, but they need some help at safety. You go on down, it's like you're looking for another fit. Miami could use him, but I do like the Bengals at 31 before everything resets to the second round. I like that. Um, you mentioned pick 24 to the Cowboys. That's the highest I've actually seen him in any of the mocks. Yeah. Um, that would be an exciting, exciting secondary. I would I would probably have to tune in for that as much as I hate it. Uh, Dax Hill could be a star, too. Um, he definitely has star potential. So going to Dallas, you know, big market team like that, get a lot of eyes on him. That would be cool. I think he is going to pop. Um yeah, Buffalo Bills could maybe take him. Uh, I, I could see that. I mean, anybody there at the end of the first round, if you're just kind of taking a flyer, I think this is a great guy to take a flyer on because it's flyer by definition is like, well, we'll see. I, you're going to get a player in Dax Hill. He's going to contribute, like mark it down for sure. Um, the Dolphins at 29 with Steven Ross still technically their owner. Or how about the uh, how about the Lions maybe uh, doing back to back? Michigan guys. I mean, well, that's a I dream wanted bring, scenario. I wanted to bring that up because they have picks 32 and 34, so they can right. easily scoop him at one of those. 
I know. I agree. And that's my dream scenario is Hutchinson at two and then Hill at 34. And yeah, maybe get a receiver in there. That's a dream scenario for for Lions fans. And uh, I also wanted to to mention this. It's a bit of a sidebar here. Um, You know, it it gets weird when you talk about Michigan guys going to the Lions because Michigan State fans are also Lions fans. And I know you're not as big of a pro guy, but how do you rationalize or how do you deal with when a a guy from a team, a college team you don't like comes to your professional team? Like, are you able to kind of just say, forget about it, doesn't matter, you know, let's move on? Absolutely. Do not care. Could not care less. You, if I had an NFL team, say my favorite NFL team was the Bengals and like Von Bell's playing really well at safety, had a clinching interception against the Chiefs, an Ohio State graduate. Do not care. You take our team to the Super Bowl. I welcome you with open arms. All sins are repented for. It's done. Like, it's all in the past. Like, no, if you hold grudges in the NFL, like, that's just silly. Come on. You want what's best for your team. I agree. I guess the best example would be like um, I'm converting you to be a Pistons fan. If uh, the Pistons want to take Max Christie in the second round, fine. I'm, I'm going to be rooting for him. You know, yeah, that's yeah. just how it is. Yeah, kid's so. going to be a stud. He's got a ton of potential. You get him there to develop him. It's like, by all means, I hope you lead our team to the promised land. I could care less where you went to school. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, if the Lions want to take Kenneth Walker in the third, not really a need, but I'm here for it. Kenneth Walker's a beast. I get it. So, yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I agree. Uh, Dax Hill is going to be a fascinating one to watch. Maybe of the three that we've already mentioned, the most interesting to watch. I really think this is a guy that's going to pop more as a pro than he did as a college guy. I really believe that. Well, he's got positional versatility where he can work the nickel and play some corner as well. So I think that'll really help him separate himself in that next tier of safeties that fall below Kyle Hamilton because he's kind of in a league of his own up top. Kyle Hamilton's insane. Yeah, that guy's, uh, yeah, that dude's an absolute stud. All right, now we actually have a question. Who's the next guy off the board, do you think? Is it Stuber, Hinton, Bastardus, Haskins, Vincent Gray? (laughs) All right, I think it'll be Chris Hinton. I I do from everything I've read. It's it's tough to project with defensive tackle. He'll have the five-star resume from in high school, and you can plug him a lot of different places. It's hard to, like, pick where he's going to excel. I think he does fall to like the third round though. I think somebody with a defense that doesn't need him to plug and play right away and that could kind of build him. So like maybe a Chicago on that gritty defensive line, that unit they've built in there, Indianapolis play behind DeForest Buckner, those guys as well. But I definitely think he's a day two pick and I don't think it's a second. Uh, So you think he'll be a third rounder then is where you, I think Chris Hinton falls to the third. Yeah. Okay, Uh, that'd be higher than a lot of people have him early on. But this is a guy that I think that will test well at the NFL Combine. Um, His dad played for the Colts, Falcons and the Vikings. So that'd be interesting if he could go to any of those three. I love the Bears. I think that'd be really great for him. Uh, Something like that. Maybe the Tennessee Titans, a team that could afford to bring him along slowly, already has a pretty solid defense, good defensive line. I like that fit for him. I think uh, I think third is as high as, as he would go. I think fourth. Sounds about right to me. Um, the only argument here might be Stuber as far as a guy that could go above him. Probably, right? They're in that same tier. Like, I think if either are drafted, it's late third round and then as low as early fifth. I feel like they're in that range, and as well as Hassan Haskins. But I feel like he's not a third rounder just because no. of his position. No, that's just a positional yeah. thing. And, uh, I mean, they even have Kenneth Walker going in the third. And, you know, as much as I love Hassan Haskins, Kenneth Walker probably pound for pound is a slightly better NFL back. And that just killed me to say that. Uh, I did not enjoy saying that. Uh, but it's it's probably the case. Stuber's an interesting one. Uh, I love him to the Dolphins. Positional need. Yes. Dolphins love drafting Michigan guys. Steven Ross, uh, provided he's not uh, kicked to the curb and stripped of all his wealth. Uh, he would probably want to get Stuber in there. They've got to protect Tua. They've got to improve that offensive line. So Stuber to the Dolphins and say the fourth sounds awesome to me. That's a good one because he's projected to play guard because his feet are a little slow and he looked fantastic at the senior bowl reps going against Haskell and everybody else there. So I think he really improved it. He'll do more at the combine as well. I think he's really strong despite his length. So I think he'll be a plug. He could be a plug and play guy, just like a lot of Michigan linemen have been in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, Michigan linemen really starting to show out in the NFL. Uh, could he be a Runyon Bredesen esque type player? Like meaning he's uh, sometimes starting, but you know, providing at least he's on your two deep. I think Absolutely. he could definitely make a two deep. 
Absolutely. Same with uh, Mason Cole. Absolutely. He's in that top seven lineman that you need rotationally and people getting banged up. So I definitely think that's a win for him. Hinton's got to be a place where they don't need him to start right away. Like he's two or three deep, but can provide some, you know, rotational spell minutes. And Hassan Haskins, man, like you put him on any team. I think Hassan Haskins will find a way. I'm with you. Uh, Real quick before we go to Haskins and the other guys, higher ceiling at the position, Stuber or Hinton? Stuber. I got Hinton. I think Hinton's got higher ceiling there personally. But nice. I, I love hey, this. Good. Hey, finally we disagree. It takes some time, but we get there. Good. These guys doing some reps together in practice. So no, I, I like that a lot. And it's it's funny because you and I like project them both differently, but have them falling in the same range of the draft. So I think a lot of it'll come down to fit and where they're taken. Yep. Nope. I'm with you. All right. The other three guys worth mentioning, Vastardis, Haskins, Vincent Gray. Uh next one off the board. I'll go Haskins. Same. Yeah, I think Haskins in what, the fifth? Haskins in the fifth. I I would be shocked if he fell below the fifth because running backs tend to like, it's just, you know, you can't draft a running back early now. It's like the law. But once one starts coming off in the third round, they tend to like, like waterfall from there. So I think Haskins is as early as the fourth. I don't think he falls out of the fifth. And honestly, you can put him in a lot of places. The Giants have been shopping Saquon Barkley, so they'll need somebody to come in there and just provide some relief minutes because they also cut uh, Booker in the backfield. So I think he comes in as a third down rotational back, kind of like Chris Evans, but his durability and physicality will get him on the field. A hundred percent. And I think fifth is about right for him. And that's a steal because that's a dude that's going to be able to contribute. And uh, I love the Ravens for him, especially with uh, the way that their running back room was decimated last year. Uh, we know the connection, obviously, between the the Michigan program and the Ravens organization. Uh, you know, that's been well documented. It makes sense from a personnel standpoint, makes sense from a need standpoint, the kind of guy that John Harbaugh is going to want on his team. That I love that fit. Um, I could also see him maybe going somewhere uh, backing up Derrick Henry because Derrick Henry's getting a little bit longer in the tooth, at least for a running back. So having a guy that can spell him a little bit. I mean, this is not Derrick Henry, but he runs in a similar fashion, I guess, like very, very physical. Yes, I love that. I want to take that a step further. So there's some picks in the fifth round that really fall advantageous to Hassan Haskins. And that is the Colts at 158. Who, I mean, Jonathan Taylor, you need somebody to back him up. Taylor Haskins? Oh, my God. Or gets even better. Pick 163 and 164 back-to-back are the same team, and that's the Raiders, who have Josh Jacobs, who's perpetually banged up. So you bring him in there to spell Jacobs and balance that out. So there are some really good fits for him there. And the way he runs, and again, we say this about all Michigan guys because it's true, he's going to test well at the combine. That vertical is going to be crazy. The vertical is going to be crazy, and I'm pretty sure he's going to bench press like whatever they put on the bar, plus like three or four people sitting on the bar on top of that. Like he's, he's going to line he's, up Stuber and just bench him. Yeah, he's just going to bench Stuber just for fun. They're not even going to ask him to do it. <laughs> put Andrew on the it. bar. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah, Haskins now, is going to be a great, great combine. Now, what do you think about Gray and Vastardis? I don't think I could see neither getting drafted, and if one of them does, I think it's Gray late, late sixth at the earliest, seventh at the late. I mean, undrafted at the latest. It hurts me to say that Vastardis is not a great NFL draft prospect. He's just not. um, He's not super athletic. I mean, like you watch his tape compared to Cesar Ruiz. Vastardis is getting it done with his head. He's an incredibly intelligent center, incredibly intelligent guy, um, a leader of men, like. A guy you would want and a guy that probably he'll get a shot in a practice squad. And I think because of what he brings and the fact that there, there's just always a need for offensive linemen. I mean, you, you need to have 15 of them on a roster, really. And you're still probably going to be signing guys later on in the year. So who gets some shots? No doubt. Vincent Gray. I, I don't see it. I just don't see it. I, I haven't seen it for years. That's uh, that's not a guy I'm willing to go to bat for. Like I went to bat for more so for. um now I'm forgetting his name played next to David Long and I've already forgotten his Levert name. Hill. Levert Hill. I went to bat more for Levert Hill after a rough season than I'm willing to go to bat for uh for for Vincent Gray. What about you? You see that a little differently? A little bit. I like Vincent Gray a little more than Levert, especially. Like he improved a lot this season, had some bad moments against Georgia, but the whole team basically did. So I could see somebody taking a flyer on him because for whatever it's worth, 
I mean, completely misjudged. I did not think Zach Gentry and Sean McEwen would have longer NFL careers than Karan Higdon. So yeah. there, there's definitely some things to be said about uh, Vincent Gray's uh, size and athleticism, how much better he got with his head. So I could see him getting taken late. And for Vastardis, in 2030, Andrew Vastardis will either be a very successful medical professional or the offensive line coach at Michigan. Ooh, I love it. I could totally see it, man. Yeah, or maybe a sitting senator, but Just, like the dude's going yeah. places. The dude's like, going places. He's going to be successful, and I think a practice squad NFL player is him selling his potential short. He's got a hell of a brain on him. He's very successful, and like you said, a leader of men. So if he wants to come back to Michigan with the pipeline that's developed there with new coaches, I think he'd fit in perfectly. I, I really, really like that. Um, yeah, Vincent Gray, I don't quite see as much unless he tests off off the charts at the Combine. He improved this year, but he also had, without a doubt, the greatest improvement along the defensive line of any team in the country. He had two first-round picks, making it so he only needed to stay in coverage for about two seconds max. You know, So it's very difficult to gauge how much of an improvement he made because of the improvement we saw in the defensive line and having two monsters there at that position. I It may not seem like they're correlated, but there is a direct correlation. One more, Josh Ross. Probably undrafted. Yeah. Probably undrafted. Probably gets a shot on a practice squad. Just in coverage, he's a liability. And that's so much more important at the next level with uh, the way that the NFL has gone to, to primarily passing offenses and I, that sucks because I really like Josh Ross. I, I, I like him as a player. I like him against the run, but probably a practice squad guy undrafted. So, so Michigan's ceiling for him, Ben Gideon, that's the ceiling? Ben Gideon, we were very surprised uh, with, A, that he got drafted as high as he did. I think it was fifth round. And B, like how productive he was right Starter, out of the gate. Yeah. Uh, I don't think his ceiling is that high. No, because I think Ben Gideon probably was a little bit better at Michigan. Uh, Ross at times, I mean, he'd make a big play for you. And it was like, oh, there you go. That's a senior making a, a big play. But I think it was just that. Uh, you know, he's smart. He's been out there a long time. He knew to be in the right spot. He wasn't out physicaling anyone. He was a super hard hitter. I'll give him that. Maybe yeah. the hardest hitter on the team at times, but uh, out of position a lot in coverage. So uh, I, I think they're going to see that. I don't think he's going to test very explosive at the combine if he's even invited either. He, he's invited. So he's the, I think he gets it done. I, the one that wasn't invited to the combine was uh, Brad Hawkins, which is kind of surprising because I think Brad Hawkins does get drafted. That's that's strange to me. I like Hawkins more as a prospect than I like Ross, Fastardis, or Gray. Yeah, so I, I think Hawkins goes in that five, six, seven range, but I'm fairly confident he gets drafted. I'm with you there on Ross. I think he has the IQ to play in the NFL, but just not the athleticism because the play he made on Travion Henderson, maybe the biggest play in the Ohio State game, was all just instinctual yep. film study, all of that. He has the brain for it, but the way the NFL is played, he's going to really struggle at this level. Yeah. It's going to be tough for him, um, you know, similar to like a Mike McRae a few years ago. I That's think uh, Mike McRae might have been even a little bit bigger than Ross didn't hit quite as much and maybe wasn't as fast. But uh, it's just the NFL isn't built for that type of player. But I, I hope so. I hope I'm wrong about him. I love your point about ha uh, Hawkins. I could see him in the sixth or seventh. Why not take a flyer on Brad Hawkins in the sixth? What do you what's what do you got to lose? I think Brad Hawkins is an underrated athlete and his IQ is off the charts as well. And he, he's going to play special teams on an NFL team. I can I'd almost bet money on that that he'll play special yeah. teams next year. I think it's I think I comped him to Matthew Slater. I said I think that he could really easily be hmm. that level of a special teams player because on the Jay Harbaugh Twitter breakdown he's been doing, which is magnificent. Awesome, by the Haw way. Yeah. Yeah. Hawkins is spectacular on that. And I I think that's where he could be and like some guys got to find their way and Matthew Slater is a 12-year vet now or whatever he is and a perennial pro bowler so find your place and I think he will find his yeah I'm with you anybody else worth mentioning here probably uh, probably not I think we covered them all I think we got them all man it's a good crop of recruits though coming out it's solid man another potentially three guys going in the first round and you turn on an NFL game now you're going to see a hardball player or a Michigan player I mean losing Brady Hurts a little bit to the overall depth of Michigan players succeeding at the next level, but you you turn on any game and it's like, oh, there's Rashawn Gary, oh, uh, there's Ben Bredesen, oh, there's there's Ruiz, there's Anwanu. You know, they're all over the place, and it's it's awesome. It makes it more enjoyable for me to watch the the, the professional game. Yeah, you watched. I mean, this past year, the Chris Evans, David Long, Ambry Thomas, all right there in the thick of it at the end. Chad Henney, uh, Brandon Graham, all Super Bowl winners over the last five years, not named Brady. 
that's besides awesome. Chris Evans, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, besides Chris Evans, but from delivering pizza to playing in the Super Bowl, pretty awesome story. It's a movie, it's, right? it's a movie. It is. I'd watch it too. It's got to be better than that Kurt Warner piece of garbage they tried to force on me. <laughs> that's still better than the power of the dog. <laughs> <laughs> Trash. I'd rather watch, I'd rather watch Nomadland on a bunch of cough syrup. Dude, it makes Nomadland look like Too Fast, Too Furious. <laughs> Yeah, sort of screaming. Are we going to do our Academy Awards podcast this year or what? Probably not. We have a, a spring draft and behold, like we don't want to waste our time with it. Yeah, yeah, it's not a great movie year. I'm down here in Argentina. I got more important things to do than watch uh, Power of the Dog, which I subjected myself to. But I what a waste of two hours. Later. <laughs> I can't yeah. do this. <laughs> Oh, man. All right, brother. That's going to do it for us tonight. Uh, We'll probably end up being back again next week because, I mean, we're going to figure out our fate here, both in hockey and basketball over the coming days. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Sports are, uh, you know, the the sports we care about really starting to uh, to to round into form here and down the home stretch. It'll be very interesting to watch. Yeah, business is booming right now for us. All the sports coming to a head. Nas Hillman and the women's team as well coming in. Just missed out on the Big Ten regular season title. But, I mean, they lost out to the second coming of Christ in the form of Caitlin Clark. My oh, she God. went off. Jeez, what dude, did she end up having? She is a just must-see TV. Like, I haven't had a women's player like that, maybe probably since, like, Maya Moore, where I'm like, oh, I'm going to catch these minutes, and she is incredible to watch. She's making, like, logo threes. Yeah, and, and, like, that takes so much strength, and the way she's, like, do it, she's not, like, stepping into it, like, forcing it. She is pulling up, like, just clean form, so yeah. must-see TV, but don't let that, like, overshadow Nas Hillman, who's still a stud. Beast, beast. All right, that's going to do it for Out of the Blue tonight. Uh, Make sure that you like, share, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever. You can follow Mazin Brew on Twitter, at Mazin Brew. You can follow us, at UMAndyB. Uh, Andrew B, excuse there me. Or Andy, yeah, 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 yeah. I got it. I got it. My bad. My eventually, you know, it only took us like twenty podcasts, but uh, <laughs> I got there. At JStorm three hundred three, if you want to follow me, I'm Jared. That's Andy. This is out of the blue. We'd like to remind you that wherever you go, go blue.